Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Good morning, Connect Church. So glad to be able to start our Sunday morning worship together uh, with you. And as we open up the Word to Acts chapter 3 in just a few moments, uh, I hope to go ahead and and do that. But I want to give you a couple of quick things to think about. Uh, We we are currently trying to get get back into here mode. Uh, trying to figure out what does it look like to not necessarily go back to normal, but what does it look like for us to get back together. And so uh, we have been thinking, uh, leadership of our church has been thinking now for several weeks about what a phase two would look like before we can get on to phase three. And our governor is going to make an announcement tomorrow, uh, most likely, sadly, because of the spike in the number of cases in Arkansas that we're not quite ready for phase two yet. So while we were hoping that within the next week or so that we would be able to start seeing each other's faces again, that may be just a little bit further down the road, which is fine because uh, hopefully by now now you are learning what your your uh, church at home process begins to look like. So, but just know this week we've had a meeting with our life group leaders and our Sunday school teachers and our Bible study leaders, and beginning to talk about what everyone's role is going to play and all of that. So, just know we are so eager, uh, but we don't want to be haphazard, and uh, and we certainly don't want to uh, to belittle. Uh, our opportunities of being back together again. So continue to pray for us. Again, I know that we are not all going to agree on what that strategy looks like, uh, but just please pray for wisdom and discernment. And also I would ask that you be very patient with us as we try to figure this out for the first time in our, in our lives. So if you have found uh, the book of Acts, uh, we're going to look at chapter 3 uh, today, and I want to start out by just giving you some, some stats. Uh, 70% of America is on, of Americans, I should say, is on some sort of medication for pain or an illness. And believe it or not, over 50% of America is on at least two medicines for illness or sickness or pain. Uh, my message today is not about medicine. The, the message today is about pain and, and brokenness and, and struggling. And so uh, be patient with me as we work as we work through this passage of scripture together. Uh, there has been a disturbance in the force. See, so God created us, and if you go back to Genesis chapter one and two, you will see that everything that God created was good. It was exactly the way God wanted it to be. When He created man and woman, it was very good. I mean, it not necessarily uh, uh, went beyond His ex, uh, expectation, uh, but it exactly it was was exactly what God had intended for it to look like. But because of sin, there was a disturbance in the force. And so because of Adam's rebellion in the garden, it shifted everything. And now we are going to experience chaos and crisis and suffering and loss in all three arenas that we are. First, in the spiritual, we are immediately cut off from a relationship with God. The second is, is our, is our mind, the way we think, the way we feel. Those, those feelings, uh, expressions, our emotions, our personalities are also fallen now. And of course, as all of us know, our bodies are fallen as well. And we experience consequences of that even in our, in our physical life. 
Well, 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said this in chapter 53, verse 4 and 5 of his, of his uh, uh, prophecy. He said, Surely He, the Messiah that is to come, has borne our griefs, has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And here's the key phrase that I want us to focus on this morning. And with His wounds we are healed. Do you hear that? And I know that you've heard it before. But, but by His wounds or with His wounds, we are healed. Isaiah is saying that when the Messiah does come, He's going to do two things for us. Number one, He's going to forgive our sins and He's going to provide the way for us to be restored back to the Father spiritually. But the second thing that He is going to do is He's going to heal our bodies physically. But what does that mean? Healed, healed physically? or healed only spiritually? Does it mean both? Does it mean either? Does this mean that Isaiah's prophecy is wrong because I have prayed for physical healing and not received it? I know many people who have prayed to Jesus to heal their bodies because of this particular verse of Scripture and the healing did not come. So does Jesus not care? Is God not real? Is Isaiah wrong? Is, what else is, are, are the promise? Whatever other promises are not going to come to fruition as well. So when people are healed by supernatural healing, we claim this verse. I've heard many people do that. When, when people talk about being healed supernaturally, people will say, well, you know, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Praise the Lord. But what about when people are, are waiting for their healing? We also claim this verse and we remind people when they're praying, well, remember, Jesus is, is our healer. Jesus is going to heal you. He said he would heal you. But what, when people, what about when people do pass and they don't experience healing? What about if healing continues to linger way, way too long? Honestly, I think sometimes we refrain from using this verse, or we try to reframe this verse and say, well, you know, he doesn't necessarily mean healing in this life. He means healing in another life. But, you know, it seems to me, and I don't mean to, obviously that is true. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but sometimes I think that is a cop-out. I think it's a cop-out to say, well, if somebody's not healed physically, you know, it, you know they'll eventually, God is talking here about uh, a spiritual healing in eternity. Because Jesus was a healer while He was on earth. Why would Jesus give us a taste of that and then not leave it for us? And so today I want to kind of break that down and we're going to see some of those answers uh, find themselves to us from Acts chapter 3. Sin affects our spirit. Sin affects our, our soul, our mind, and sin affects our body. And Jesus does come to forgive sin and to heal our soul but apparently also to heal our bodies. So because of Isaiah's prophecy, the people of God for 700 years before Jesus had been saying, when will the Messiah get here? When will He allow us to be forgiven, restored into a relationship with the Father? And when will I be able to be healed physically? I mean, it's not an accident that sick people would find themselves at the synagogue or at the temple because this is where the Messiah would be coming. Maybe they were waiting for the Messiah, and while they were waiting for the Messiah, they are gleaning from Messiah people. 
So we have the uh, first, I think some of the first questions after Jesus ascends back to heaven was, okay, now what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Do we still have access to Jesus? We just watched Him go. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit was going to come. We've never experienced that before. What does a relationship with Jesus Christ look like through the channel of the Holy Spirit? So when He was here, we could go right up to Him and ask Him a question. When He was here, we could walk right up to Him if we were sick and ask for healing. But now, has He left? Has He abandoned us? Are we orphans? Uh, are we alone? Can, can we still have access to Jesus even though He's at the right hand of the Father? Will He still forgive our sins? Will He still heal us? So what does a relationship with the resurrected and ascended Jesus look like now? So then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to connect Jesus' people to Jesus so that we could still talk to Him as if He were here among us. The relationship with Jesus does not change now that Jesus has ascended. And the Holy Spirit is the proof that Jesus uh, is still relational with us. So we we read uh, very quickly after the coming of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the first Christians. We look at chapter chapter 3, verse, verse 1. Uh, one of the first things that happens once the, the uh, leadership is prepared, once the people of God are prepared, once they have waited for the empowering of the Holy Spirit and they have prayed, uh, one of the first things they did was to continue the healing ministry of Jesus. These guys have not participated in this yet. They've seen Jesus do it, but here they are continuing the the healing ministry of Jesus. Let's start reading in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple of the hour of prayer. That's the ninth hour. And that's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, by the way. And a lame man from when? From birth. This man's been like this his entire life. This is his life condition. He was being carried So he's not functional under normal capacity. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. That is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John, and he said, uh, you know, they're about to go into the temple. And he asked to receive alms. Now alms are like an offering. It's uh, it's it's this this man's a beggar holding a can, shaking it, asking for people to make his living for for him, and 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 Peter directed his gaze at him. Just this sounds so much like Jesus, just stopping and looking, and as did John, and and said, "Now this is Peter saying, uh, and I'm going to stop and give this kind of the blame version here. All right? uh, look at us." I mean, I, th- I really believe that he's not saying, make eye contact with me. I think that he is saying, look at us. Do we look like we have money? You're asking us for some kind of an offering. Look at us. Uh, we look almost the same as, as you. Do we look like we have anything to give? But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then Peter did another thing. Peter reached out his right hand and raised him up. 
and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. This guy's, this guy's never stood a day in his life. He's been like this his entire life. And immediately the muscles and the sinews and, and the bones and everything is strengthened immediately. When Jesus heals him, it is immediate healing. And look what he does. This guy's never stood. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful uh, gate of the temple, asking for alms. And, and look, watch this. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this man has lived in poverty his entire life. They didn't have a welfare system like, uh, like some are able to, to have today if they fall in the same category, uh, some kind of uh, a help from the government. They, d- they didn't exist. Uh, and so he would throw himself on the generosity of God's people. He would sit outside the temple. He would have his dignity stripped day after day after day, throw himself on the mercy of, of friends, of family, to carry him every day and to pick him up every day and to take him back home. And you can imagine how man's dignity gets stripped here and the lack of ability of having any sort of, of dependence. Now, this, I think, also helps us understand that Jesus or Jesus' disciples did not practice or preach a prosperity gospel. You know, I mean, it would be so much easier for John and Peter to drop money uh, into this man's uh, alm jar than it would be for them to uh, exercise this miraculous healing right here. Uh, and so I, I do think that it's interesting for those who teach that the disciples, and I hear, I hear it a lot, you know, I'm talking about the health and wealth uh, teachings of, of many uh, churches uh, and the danger that that does to people. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But uh, Peter looks at this man and says, look at us. I don't have silver or gold. I don't have anything to give away financially. But I do have the name of Jesus Christ. I do have the name of Jesus Christ, and I know what the name of Jesus Christ can accomplish in a person's, in a person's life. So when I speak about healing today, please don't link me with the health and the wealth word of faith movement. So God heals the man, and immediate. I mean, He says immediately. He got right up and muscles and everything. I mean, this is this is pretty supernatural, uh, miraculous time. He's not a faker either, because while you can fake sitting at the gate, we know people even in maybe our city who sit at a street corner, and we know that they are not needy. They don't live in poverty, but uh, they're, taking, they're taking advantage of people. This happens all over. I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've seen lots of this sort of thing, people trying to take advantage of people. Maybe that's what this man is, and he could walk all along. But the truth of the matter is, this man had been doing this his entire life. That's a long time to be keeping up with this. And by the way... very quickly, uh, if I had a friend that was trying to take advantage of people, that's one thing. He's probably not going to be my friend very long like that, but that's one thing. But I am not going to go to his house and pick him up and carry him every day so that he can take advantage of people. So I believe this man is legit. I really believe that this healing is real. I believe that Peter and John wanted to help, didn't have any resources to, but they had the powerful name of Jesus. So remember this. This is in the name of Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth. Very specific. 
It's the name of Jesus that has the power to heal. Jesus is the one who overcame death, hell, and the grave. Now, using the name of Jesus is inviting the living Jesus. I hear people say things like, you know, well, Jesus died or Jesus, you know, Jesus did die temporarily, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is a living Jesus. And it's this is inviting a living Jesus into this moment. What Peter is doing is saying and reminding these people that Jesus is still alive. This is in the same city where they crucified Jesus and he is telling them Jesus is alive and Jesus can still heal. You could talk to him when he was on earth. Well, guess what? You can still talk to him. You could sit with him on earth, but you know what? You can still sit with him. You could ask him for healing when he was on earth. You can still ask him for healing. You can still go to him in the name of Jesus of Nazareth because of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit dwells in them. They have direct access to Jesus of Nazareth. And I want to remind you, that's, that's not a delineation between the, the, who we are and who they are. We have exactly the same connection to Jesus that Peter and John did. The exact same connection to Jesus that Peter and John did. And that's the connection through the indwelling, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so this is inviting the living Jesus into that moment so that we can see who it is that healed this man. Is John and Peter the ones that healed this man? No. Was it the Holy Spirit that healed this man? No. Was it the faith of John and Peter? No. Was it the man, the lame man's faith that healed him? No. It was Jesus Christ of Nazareth all the way from heaven all the way from heaven healing this man. Well, and that's very encouraging to us again because, you know, Jesus healed when he was on earth and now that he's ascended to heaven, he, he's still with us, just like he promised. He said, I will be with you forever and this is proof that he is. And he is still healing, but he is healing now through his followers that are subjected to him and that follow him and that are surrendered to him. But all healing belongs to Jesus. Now, I also want you to realize, we can say, well, yeah, but what if I don't have the gift of healing? There is no such thing as the gift of healing. There is the gift of healings. And, uh, and so I want to stop there for a moment, and I want to remind you that every list where we talk about the, the spiritual gifts that God gives us, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to have, when it gets to the gift of healings, uh, this gift is, always belongs to Jesus Christ. Okay, so sometimes he gives people the ability to heal through his name. But there is not the spiritual gift of healing. No one, I hear a lot of people say, well, they're a faith healer. No, they're not. They don't exist. The healing belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can heal. And even when the scriptures talk about the spiritual gifts, it's the gifts of healings not the gift of healing. Someone doesn't have the ability to heal whomever they want or whoever's faith is ready to receive it. The gift of healing is sometimes God may use us to express His healing. Sometimes God may not. There is a gift of healings, not a spiritual gift where someone can heal other than through the power of Jesus Christ. So can Jesus still heal? Yes. Do we have to go to some certain person to have a certain prayer prayed over us because they have a certain empowering? No. All healing comes from Jesus, and we have direct access to Him.
So then the, the result is, and I love this because it, I can tell you, if I'm sitting there for 40 years or however old this man is, if I'm sitting there that long and somebody walks alongside me and heals me, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to jump up and I'm going to tell all my friends I don't need a ride tomorrow. I'm going to go talk to my mom and dad and I'm going to rejoice over that. I'm going to, to maybe go buy a bicycle or I'm going to go get some new tennis shoes and I'm going to exercise the fire out of my new legs. But this man is a better man than me because when he experiences the healing from Jesus, he walks into the temple with John and with Peter and he begins to worship Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What a powerful testimony that this man knew exactly how grateful, how thankful he was, not to Peter and John, but to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now listen, this is also pretty... If you go back and read Leviticus chapter 21, you will see that people who are physically disabled are banned from going to the temple. This man had sat outside the temple his entire life, never been inside. He wasn't allowed. But today, he is going into the presence of, of God Himself. Beautiful picture. So let me stop for a moment. And at, at this point, if this is all we know, we're going to go ahead and shut the camera off and say, let's just all pray for healing. Thanks be to Jesus Christ. But there's none of us watching that's not suffering, that hasn't prayed for some sort of a healing. So let me just stop for a moment and explain all of this in a way that hopefully makes sense. The ultimate goal of our life is not healing. All right. The ultimate goal is not healing. Healing is a secondary goal. As we talk about all the time, the primary goal is the glory of God. And so God is glorified and then people rejoice, right? Uh, they don't, he's not bragging on Peter and John and not bragging on the healed or the healing, but because of the healing, God is glorified. Well, does God still do that? Uh, does God still heal people like this? Uh, what about me? What about my friends? Uh, why are certain people healed and certain people are not healed? You know, so we're a Bible-believing church. We believe the Scriptures and what the Scriptures teaches us, and the Scriptures talk a lot about healing. So the Bible tells us that sin and death are radically abnormal. And when God made the world, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, He said that everything was good, everything was alive, and there was no death. But sin wrecked that. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So sickness, pain, and sorrow exists for one of three reasons. I'm going to run you through these really, really quickly. The first reason is we, we have a creation problem. We have a fallen nature problem. And as we've already said, in re, we are in rebellion against God. And because of that rebellion, we choose to turn our back on God. And as a result, we chose death over life. Now, some have experienced a restoration back into a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and as evidence through the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in, in us. Does that guarantee that our bodies are going to be perfect and we're perfectly healed from then on? It does not because we still live in a fallen world. And so sometimes sickness and pain are not causal. You can't say, well, I stumped my toe, my toe hurts. Okay, that's a pretty direct cause. Sometimes sickness and pain and disease and virus has no earthly cause. Sometimes it's because we live in a fallen world. 
And so that's the first reason. So when you try to figure out, well, what did I do wrong? Or what did they do wrong? Or I can't believe they hurt me this way. Sometimes we're sick. Sometimes we, uh, uh, we experience sorrow and struggle just simply because we are alive. The second reason is because of personal sin. And I like to use 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30 uh, for that. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Uh, now, that's a direct cause, right? So he says, this is why many of you are weak and sick, and some of you have died. There have been a lot of funerals at Corinth. And I'm not going to take the time to read all of that, but part of the problem was that Corinth was in direct rebellion against God, right? They were not living holy lives. They were they were drinking too much. They were uh, being promiscuous uh, in uh, in public in their uh, private lives uh, as well. And uh, they were not respecting one another. They weren't loving one another. They weren't forgiving one another. They were still taking advantage of one another. And so they were even living those kinds of lives and in coming to the communion table and kind of spitting in the face of Jesus, to be quite honest. And as a direct result of their personal sin, Paul says, this is why many of you have sinned. And some of you have even died because of your rebellious nature. Now, they are Christians, uh, but they are experiencing the consequences of their choices. So this is very similar to when you see a cause. I mean, if you eat poorly, there's probably going to be a direct a problem in your life, maybe a disease or maybe some issue. And you look and say, how did I get here? Well, you can go back and look at the decisions that you've made that brought you there. You look at a maybe a drunk driver who, who gets in a wreck and they walk with a limp the rest of their life. You can say that's a direct cause from personal sin, right? So we don't follow what God says. There are consequences. And so I'm not saying what is the remedy for that uh, pain, I'm just simply saying sometimes there is no cause for the pain, the suffering, the sickness. Sometimes our own personal sin is a cause of the pain and the sickness. Does that mean that God won't heal, that Jesus won't heal? It doesn't mean that. We're not talking about that yet. We're talking about the cause. Uh, And the third cause of sickness and and, uh, struggle and pain is demonic. We really don't talk about that a whole lot, but uh, but it doesn't make it any less true. It's true in the New Testament. I believe that it is also true today. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, it says, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. So just know this, not all spirits are good. Not all spirits are holy. There are unholy and there are unclean spirits. We believe this. We teach this. They are in rebellion against God and trying to strip the praise and glory from him. So this is why God's people need to be very discerning. What should I allow to entertain me? Because you might be thinking that you're entertaining one thing and you're entertaining something else and you're giving them permission in your life. And that permission is going to create some sort of a, of a oppression upon us. Maybe it's a mental oppression or it's a physical oppression of some sort. But the, but this is why holiness for, for the believer is so important. Do I have to be holy to be a Christian? No, you don't. But it is a command in Scripture, right? So why does God want us to be holy? 
so that we can be discerning, so we can think like Christ, so we can know the difference between what is a good and holy spirit and what is a evil spirit. Why? Because the way we process life may, may hang in the balance. And I know some of us may say, well, uh, well, First John actually even said that we should test the spirits to see if they be of God. Sometimes even the best Christians may have a difficult time discerning which is which. So some of us will ask, well, and I have this question asked actually quite often, can a believer in Jesus Christ be demon-possessed? And the answer is no. A, a, a believer in Jesus Christ cannot because the spirit of, of uh, Satan, of the Antichrist, and the spirit of Christ would cohabitate. And so, uh, no, uh, Christians cannot be possessed but, but Christians can be oppressed, right? The difference is possession is in us. Oppression is outside of us. And what kind of power can an oppressive demonic spirit have over us? Well, I think we can go back and look at uh, Job. So I know people say, well, I don't think Satan really works that way. He can't really affect our bodies, right? Well, if you go back and look at Job, God gave demonic spirits uh, Satan himself permission to affect Job physically with boils. And, uh, and so, yes, I do believe that Job was not demon-possessed, that Job was certainly demon-oppressed, and it affected him physically. So uh, it was that because Job gave himself over to that? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we should be very, very careful what spirits we entertain and what we allow to entertain us because we might actually be dealing with an oppressive demonic force that's causing and manifesting itself into us physically uh, to rob the glory of God from our lives. Okay, so let me get to uh, the bulk of the, the takeaways that I want us to hear today. Uh, those are the three primary categories for people becoming sick, but I want to... to, to, to kind of leave us with this. Sickness is not our complete problem. So if I have a fever, I wouldn't say, oh, my problem is I have a fever. No, a fever tells me that there is another problem. If my arm hurts, that's not my problem. The problem is what's causing my arm to hurt, right? So when it comes to sickness or disease, that's not really our problem. Our problem, there's another problem. The first problem is we live in a fallen world. The second is, sometimes I make decisions against God's best. The third problem is sometimes I allow oppressive spirits to render me useless. Uh, and so I just want to kind of encourage you to know that sickness is not our complete problem. And when we focus on the sickness, we can't see beyond it. Now, it's proof of a problem. So if if sickness is not our complete problem, then healing can't be our complete solution. So let me just give you a quick apologetic about that, and then we're going to pray and, and, uh, and, and be done for, uh, for this morning. Our goal cannot necessarily be healing. Our goal is to love Jesus Christ. And, and so if we go to Jesus and He heals us, we receive that, right? We get excited about it. Uh, and if we go to Jesus and He chooses not to heal us, what do we say? Well, Jesus is not listening, or Jesus doesn't care, or there's something in my life that's uh, askew, and we start focusing on all of our failures instead of focusing on what can I do with this pain. So I hear people say, you know, I had cancer, God healed me, God is so good. But people don't say that when I have cancer, God didn't heal me. Very few people say God is so good. 
But God doesn't change whether or not He's good by whether or not He heals. Sometimes God's heal, sometimes God heals us, that puts ministry in our pocket. Sometimes God doesn't heal us, that puts ministry in our pocket. But ministering under the powerful name of Jesus Christ is the goal. To some people, sickness will slow their ministry down. To others, sometimes sickness gives them ministry that they didn't have. And if we focus only on the sickness, we'll, we'll, we'll become, and I try to say this very carefully, I wish we were face-to-face so you could maybe sense something a little bit differently here, but I'm afraid we become so self-centered and self-focused that we forget to use. And so even James says, when you go through various troubles in your life, count it all joy. So if God heals us, I'm going to count it all joy. But when I go through distress, I'm going to count it all joy. Right? It's so hard for us to understand and to process that way. So uh, let me give you two examples of times when God doesn't heal. And there's many, there are dozens of illustrations throughout uh, Scripture. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, Paul says, I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Okay? He's traveling with a guy, and he leaves the guy because he's sick. Now, wait a minute. This is the Apostle Paul who, when Eutychus fell out the window and broke his neck, Paul went downstairs and resurrected a dead man. That's pretty powerful. I'll just tell you, if I'm going to be in a super high adventure, Paul's a guy I want to be with me if I, if I see him do that with Eutychus. If I fall off the cliff, well, at least I've got Paul here, right? But Trophimus was sick. What does Paul do for him? He, just, he leaves him behind. Uh, I mean, you think about Paul himself. Uh, Paul was a born-again believer. Paul uh, wrestled with the Lord uh, and over his sickness, whatever his thorn in the flesh was, and prayed three times to be delivered. And ultimately, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And you know what Paul did? He went, okay, I'll just use it for your glory then. And I think there are some lessons for us to be learned there. Did Paul pray about it? Yes. Did he think that Jesus could heal him? Yes. Did Jesus heal him? No. But Paul was able to use it. I can tell you there was a time in my life where I had something overcome me. It was so dark, I didn't know if I was going to be able to breathe. And I don't have time to explain it all, but... I remember praying, I I begged, I shouted, I screamed. I remember one night getting down on the floor and laying with my hands out and my legs wide, uh, long as I could, stretching with my head on the carpet, and I remember begging God to take something away from me. I thought it was going to take my life, and I I begged, I bartered, I pleaded. So I, I laid there one night and I told the Lord, I will not get up until you heal me. Well, I'm up. And I finally came to terms with what God was doing in my life and what God wanted, and God did not heal me. But I will tell you this, those darkest days of my life where I wrestled with even whether or not I should live, God turned those dark days in my life into ministry that I'm able to use almost every day of my life. And it it made me so sensitive to the hurt of people around me, a sensitivity that I did not have before it. So ministry comes from being healed. But I'm a testament that ministry comes from not being healed. But it's all for the glory of Jesus Christ. I want to close kind of by saying this. 
the sickness is doing a work in me that empowers me to do a work that I couldn't do without it. And it is the Lord, the Holy Spirit, empowering me and, and using the ashes in me to make something beautiful. Sometimes God won't heal us for our good. Sometimes God won't heal us because He loves us. Sometimes God won't heal us even though it may be good for our body, it may not be good for our spirit. I think that's what Paul says. So, how in the world can you say if you're not... How can, how can I say, well, if you're not healed, that's okay. But Jesus heals you. But if He doesn't, that's okay. Here's what I'm saying. The healing isn't the point. The healing isn't the point. The healing is we still have access to Jesus. If He heals us, it's because He heals us and because He wants to put ministry in our pocket. If He doesn't heal us, we still have access to His grace and it is sufficient. That's the big idea of Acts chapter 3. We still have access to Jesus. We can't see Him face to face but we can be in His presence every moment of every day. The Scriptures have a lot to say about healing, and I think it's because it's a very complicated issue. But I want to boil it, reduce it all down into this. We should pray for healing. But while we pray for healing, we should be seeking the point and purpose of Jesus Christ in our life. And He may use healing to reveal Himself to us. He may heal us once we know what it is. He may not and allow us to continue to minister. But the powerful name of Jesus Christ is what is available. Uh, And I just want to encourage you today that the ascension did not take Jesus away from us. It gave us access to the Holy Spirit that empowers us to minister under the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So we can still pray for people. We do want to pray with people. We still anoint people. Scripture tells us if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders and anoint them with oil. The oil is a conveyance of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit can heal. Does it guarantee healing? Is it a formula that guarantees healing? It's not. It's the nearness of inviting Jesus in. We can lay hands on people and be with them. All of these things. But these formulas don't guarantee healing. But, they, but, healing, but sickness does guarantee the opportunity for ministry. It puts a testimony on our lips to the glory and to the sufficient grace of Jesus Christ. And let's call out to that right now. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I pray right now for everyone who is watching this. And I ask, Lord, that you would do a work in our life. It would be to our folly not to pray for healing. But ultimately, Lord, we want your will to be done. We know that one day we will be healed. One day you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And we anticipate that day. But while we wait for eternity, Lord, allow us to continue to to see our access to you, relationship with you, the power that is within uh, us uh, to do and to call upon your name. And so, Lord, I just ask that the confusion that pain and suffering has caused uh, in this world and in our congregation even, uh, Lord, I just, I just pray a special blessing upon those who are chronically battling. And I just ask that you would heal. Uh, and, and while we wait, Lord, may we continue to work for your glory. And, and may that 
May that access to you draw people to you. I think of, the, of this man in Acts chapter 3. Lord, the first thing that he does is, is he, he, runs, he runs to worship you. And I think of the first thing that Paul does when he is not healed is he runs to worship you. So Lord, may that be our heart. And uh, we love you. And may we never be found guilty of accusing you of not loving us because you have not healed us. But may we love you, Lord, by, by using every resource we have available to, to bring glory and, and honor to your, to your name. Uh, we love you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.